Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of Naked Sunday. I am your host, Caleb Nelson, and I have the lovely, the fun-loving, the joyous, the fantabulous Julie Mann on the episode today. Julie, my love, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, fantabulous. Haven't heard that for a very long time. Well, I like to be fun with my words too. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna I like to start off all my episodes with why I appreciate my guests. And for anybody who doesn't know this, who's been listening or hasn't the first time ever listening, the reason why I do this, I believe we need to start telling each other why we love each other more. And uh far be it for me to say, I believe this is a very small step in an endeavor towards a little thing called world. Well, I like to believe inner peace because that leads to external peace. But to that effect, I appreciate you because you have this really vibrant, joyous, happy, optimistic energy about you. We've had, what, maybe two or three conversations. I've been on your podcast. You're just lovely. You have this vibrant energy that makes you just kind of like, if you're having a down day, that just takes you up a level. And we need more people who just like are energy risers. There's so many people you walk in the room, you feel like they suck the life out of you. You're like, how much longer do I got to be here? We need people who elevate the energy and it makes it so much more positive. And especially if you're going through tough times, that person who can see the the, the shiny side of things, the, the other side, the optimistic side of things that gives you hope. And that just brings me joy. All the more reason why I was excited to have this conversation today, my dear. So thank you for being you. Well, thank you. I love a shiny thing. I really, really do. And actually, I wouldn't be on this, um, whatever this is, this podcast, if it wasn't that I felt you were rather shiny too. Yeah. I think I've shared this with you. I believe we are all each other's mirrors. So I think that when we sit there, no matter who's across from us, they have something really beautiful to teach us. Even if we're going through a dark time in our life, it's like, where, what, what is that shadow side of me that I maybe I need to work on? Or what is this? What do I need to heal? What do I need to feel deeper? Or wow, I really am enjoying what I'm seeing here. I think that, I think that procures a lot more love of no matter who's across from us. And we realize like, we're not separate. We're all connected. We are way. not. I'm a big lover actually, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't mm. know if you follow his work. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's all about energy and the fact that we are we are one, which if if yeah, to some people might seem a little bit odd, but for me, I'm perfectly okay with that. That's part of the optimistic side. And I'm I find the more people are, are okay with what's the word I want to use? I'm gonna use obscure or maybe vague, perhaps a little less defined. The more, the more internally stable they are with themselves, because you can handle being in less defined spaces. You're not reliant on the outside world to be perfectly, you know, in a box for you to be able to show up and be present and be fully engaged in a situation. I think it it takes that internal insecure, part of internal security to have that vantage point of what you just spoke to right there. Yeah, I kind of, I'm really fascinated by the things that I can't understand. And um, and that's what makes life so exciting. And um, I think the minute we begin to, or the minute I begin to think I know, 
then um, I'm missing something. You know, I think that curiosity is a really, really important um, quality to have. And I just find that the older I get, the more curious I become. And whether that's about myself and the way I feel, or, you know, the person I'm talking to, the thing that I'm looking at, whatever it is I'm engaged in. So I think curiosity is a really, really important thing. And one of the reasons I like it is because it has a real playful side to it. And I'm all about fun and being playful. And I think that children, well, I know because I I have a daughter, she's now 25, but when she was small, though, know, she was constantly curious about things. And, and it was so great starting to um, kind of look uh at what she was looking at and being curious by and um, i just thought you know we can learn so much from small beings mm. and that oh. sense of curiosity that's beautiful that's really beautiful that childlike curiosity and enthusiasm it's just that's why we like look at and i believe deeply protect babies and children so much because of that I think that it show, has the capacity to show us the best in ourselves as much as it might be immature, but in another way, the kind of the classic uh, from the mouths of babe, they'll just speak this truth that, you know, yeah. if that came out of like a 90 year old man or woman that you'd be like, yo, you just dropped some wisdom on me. Everything you hear it out of a kid and you're like, yeah, you also just dropped some wisdom on me. <laughs> it's refreshing, isn't it? Because the, there's no censoring when you, children don't censor themselves. And of course, at some point they get they get to um, perhaps be taught that they can't say certain things. But actually, being around them when they're in that kind of phase is really is really so uh, wonderful. I think. Yeah. Let's do this before we go too far into it. Of course, I want to let you introduce yourself. So, Julie, my dear, please share with the audience, who are you? Who am I? Now, that is a very interesting question, because I guess on the one level, I'm just energy. Um, but actually, I'm known as the habit fixer, and um, I'm 65 years old. That may or may not um, make any difference whatsoever to the person watching, but um who I am is someone who's grown up really for a long time believing that I should be someone else, that I wasn't quite enough and that I should be someone else. And um, I discovered acting and really felt at home there. And part of the reason I felt at home was because, yes, A, I had some talent at that, but also um, I could be someone else. I could be someone far more exciting you know because I didn't think I was enough and um, the problem was that I I really wasn't happy being me and in life I think the best part I could ever play is myself and I don't mean like uh, I mean the authentic part of myself and um, it took me a very long time to discover that actually um, you know I'm enough as I am so it's taken um, probably two thirds of my life really to get to that point. But now I'm someone who, who enjoys helping people with their habits. So I'm known as a habit fixer. So I think everything's about habits. We were talking about your morning practice, weren't we, Caleb, the things that make you happy. And um, I think it's really, really important to have habits that really have us feel good. Cause I think, 
it's important to feel good. Um, not that that's always possible because stuff happens, doesn't it? And like we get challenged, but we can always find a way to feel that little bit better. But habits over time give us a particular result. And if we like the result we're getting, perfect. But if we don't, we can simply make new choices, get new habits, and then get a different outcome. I'm not sure I answered your question really, but anyway. I love the way you answered it. I love <laughs> it. For the record, I asked that question exactly that way because of how that response comes out. Everybody answers it differently. Some people kind of go right into like a professional response. Most people go, huh, who am I? Just like that. And they'll, they'll repeat it. And, oh, I got to simmer through that one for a second. And then... I, I find the beauty in asking an open-ended question that way, and on which doesn't seem like an open-ended question when you ask a who question. It's like, it should be pretty direct, right? Well, when you ask it about yourself, you know, I have all this texture about me. I have, am I just these roles and responsibilities? Am I my age? Am I my, have I been this, you know, a parent or actor or whatever? Or am I something more than that, that happens to fill those roles? So I love the way you described that because you brought out the joy again, the playfulness again. And that was, that was inspiring to me. I, I love it. I love it because it's something that has, I've learned through hosting this show, which for the record, I more or less treat this like a coaching conversation, make people feel safe, make sure people know like, Hey, I love you here to, I want people to like be real, ask good questions and be curious. I've discovered that everybody has a great story to share. Everybody. Yeah. I've yet to find somebody who doesn't have something beautiful about them to share and something interesting to, to, to give. And that intention has been something that's a really powerful reminder for me. So Thank you for just following suit and being awesome and intriguing with with your response. That was. I think um, it's interesting what you just said about the story because uh, our story is ongoing. Mm -hmm. You know, till the day we are, you know, we we last draw breath. I think, and whatever the big, however the beginning of our story started, we may not have had much of a say. You know, in the very very early days. Um, but however the beginning went, we can create a different middle if we've not quite got to the middle. We don't, any of us know how long our life's going to be, let's face it, though we may kind of act like we do some of the time, we actually don't. Um, but we can always create in any moment a different ending for that day, for that moment, because we can choose it. And I think that's the thing that um, I think some people believe that they're just the way they are and life is the way it is but actually it is that way because we say it's that way but we can create it differently if we if we choose to let's play off this theme of this ongoing story let's go to the beginning so this is i told you i have some playful questions that i've been working on there does happen to be a beginning middle and an end idea around it let's go with the beginning so you had already brought up acting but the tip this question is centered around question blanket statement is what sports or activities did you do when you were younger you already brought up acting but i'm also curious about sports to other other activities that filled your life with when you were younger and 
1B to that question is, how did you go about playing them? So I, I remember dancing. I, I went to ballet and tap. I much preferred the tap. And I, I, you know, and I like being in the shows. And, you know, in terms of sports at school, I didn't really, I liked netball, actually. Um, until the day that I, I was playing centre, and um, I remember catching the ball and suddenly my skirt unraveling and falling to the floor, which as a young teenager was very, very embarrassing. Apart from that day, I really enjoyed um, netball a lot. I didn't like hockey because it was so cold and people were mean with those sticks. Um, often I didn't really want to do sport because I wasn't picked for the team. I was the one at the, you know, I was the one at the back that, you know, they kind of had to pick in the end. Mm. Um, but I really, um, I, I had a pogo stick, which may not sound very athletic, but I had a pogo stick. So if any of you don't know what a pogo stick, it was just the best thing at the time. And it's just like a stick with a spring on it and you hold onto it and you jump up and down. And I did, I remember doing a hundred, a hundred jumps on this pogo stick without getting off. And that was my, that was my record. Um, but I, and we had, um, later on my, um, my, we had, we, we moved to a bigger house and then we had, and we had a tennis court. Um, and I remember playing a bit of tennis and I remember having, attempting horse riding, but really there wasn't much in terms of sport apart from the netball that really, really appealed to me, or the dancing. I like I like the dancing. Um, but really it was more, my playing was more me imagining who I could be, you know, because I can, of course, our imagination is infinite. And whether you are an actor or a performer or not, you know, we all have the ability to imagine all sorts of amazing things, amazing things or scary things or whatever we put our mind to. So that's what I really, really enjoyed, escaping to um, into my imagination and doing it with other people, other like-minded people. That's where I really felt at home. So it wasn't playing sport particularly, it was um, playing different characters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So where this leads to is, how have you seen your style of play, obviously not necessarily sport, but in your creative endeavors, your playful endeavors, how have you seen that style of play lead into your your life now, your professional life or personal life? Well, I so I have, a, I coach people. I also have a, a, an online business and I am a role player as well. So I did I, I worked at the National Theatre. I don't know if you know the National Theatre in London. It's a very prestigious theatre mm. on the South Bank. Um, I've worked for BBC Radio. I've done a bit of television. I've toured around theatres. And then when I wanted to be a mum, and I was very late being a mum, I was actually 40. It was actually on my 40th birthday that I had my daughter, and she's now 25. I actually thought I was going to have a party, but I had a baby. And... Um, so I, I do that aspect of my life. I still, I do role play now and I do that um, aside from my business. So I, I do play, but in my work, I really like to keep things light. I mean, 
life isn't always light and some clients come to me with um you know lots of serious stuff but I like to bring a sense of lightness and play to that because I think it's uh it, it, it's a great space to be in that place of of play and so much can come out of keeping things light and um and that doesn't mean keeping things light that we don't go deep because we do so I think that as much as I can, I like to have fun, Caleb. I like to laugh. I like to be silly. The more I can be silly, the better. You know, I just like I just like having fun. And I actually, I really believe that life is about being happy and it's about finding ways to be happy. And like I said, I get that stuff happens and life is not always happy. But we can be... Um, accepting of the things that aren't so great you know getting to 65 people get ill more people the older you get more people die it is what happens is it great no not always we know it's going to happen but it's really about I feel for me accepting what is accepting the things I can't change being okay with what is and what isn't and that might take a little you know that might not be an immediate thing but um, learning to accept that and looking at what you know focusing on on feeling that bit better or focusing on on happiness focusing on you know this amazing world that we're part of it really is extraordinary and I think it's very easy to get blinkered and um, get tunnel vision particularly for working on a computer but actually you don't have to go outside and and look at nature and it is just extraordinary there are extraordinary things around us all the time extraordinary people and it's about I think looking for that as well I look for the things I like and the more I look for those things the more I see those things it's about focus I think needless to say there's going to be a couple clips from what you just said in the teaser so that that was beautiful. It's it's certainly hard to keep the lightness about it. And what what came up while you're saying this, my father and I, we went on this trip a couple of years ago. And I was going through some stuff and had a little bit of a fallout and with a sibling or whatever. And we were working through all this stuff anyway. I tend to like to go very deep with stuff and it tends to get real serious. And my siblings sometimes call me preachy and whatever. And my dad goes, you know, Caleb, the surface can be deep. And why I'm bringing that up is what you're talking about. When you have that levity and that lightness about things, it makes the space that somebody needs to enter where the transformation, the change, and sometimes it's not all rainbows and butterflies. It makes it a little more attractive. It makes it a little more palatable, especially if it's not something they're used to doing, especially if they're the first one. They've never, they've never dipped their toe in that water and, and felt what those feelings can be and realize that you can get through some of that discomfort and it's great on the other side. Maybe they haven't taken that first step, when it's light, he was talking about literally sending pictures of the dogs to the family group chat and stuff like that. Just super 
more about like, hey, you're just staying connected. That's the simple. That's the lightness about that. So what you brought there is is learning. You know, I, I think about uh, obviously with your acting background. Of course, I want to hear more about kind of your path from theater and all that into coaching. But it's the idea of drama and comedy. They're they're kind of the same thing, but they're just these these opposites. The two was the two faces I always see in like the you know especially when I type it in for my emojis. Yeah, the two masks. Pardon. Thank you utilizing both tools allows you to get towards the result but knowing when and how such a powerful thing so yeah. oh, that's what i was hearing you're you're using that understanding of your 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 acting background your idea of playing roles and using comedy and drama to your advantage but if somebody's bringing a lot of drama you need a comedy to balance out if they're bringing too much comedy you know you need to know how to bring drama and drama yeah. a little more like the depth but that's wow yeah that i mean really it's cool. about balance isn't it caleb and you know you can't have light without dark you you, you know it's it they, they go they go together and it's not that i don't want to go deep i absolutely love going deep but it's about i think being present to that and and maybe shining some light on that dark deep thing that perhaps might for some people including myself sometimes feel insurmountable just you know incredibly painful but it's about shedding some light on that um and i think that you know when i work with clients i'm not acting you know i can be playful and i can go and i can become some other character and use lots of different voices and you know assume lots of different body shapes and you know but actually uh, what I'm talking about is being me and bringing bringing the light to something and or uh, just becoming present I think to something I think that that it's you know it's I'm sure this has probably been said on your program before but um you know the the present is a gift the clues in the in the name um, because when we're in the present moment, whether that's painful or funny or sad or shameful, when we can be with it, whatever it is and whatever it isn't, that's when there's some beauty uh, in, in that moment. And that's where often time can seem to stand still. You know, those conversations that we have that... They just seem effortless. And that's because we're present. We're present with what, what's happening in that in that moment. So the words just naturally flow. We're not thinking about what we're going to answer. You know, we're thinking about what we're going to say. It just comes because we're in that present moment, which is so, so precious. funny as you were saying that i felt like that stillness come over me i'm feeling that way about this very conversation right now you really have just like mm, i just love you i just love you damn it <laughs> wow so take take me uh, what how, how do you go from this theater arts performing arts background what what how do you get to coaching as being like, what's that path? So 
I was doing a voiceover for Ikea. Do you have Ikea in the States? Mm -hmm. So I loved working with this particular client doing a voiceover and I worked with them regularly. I always had fun. They loved what I did. You know, it was always an enjoyable experience. But on this particular occasion, and we're talking um, about, well, just over 25 years ago, I was pregnant with my daughter and I was in the studio doing this voiceover and then suddenly I experienced what seemed to be like a, a rush that came over my body. And in that moment, I was rendered speechless, which is rubbish if you're doing a voiceover. And looking back with hindsight, it was the hormones. But at the time, this experience rendering me speechless, which probably only lasted a few seconds, but felt like an eternity, really, really scared me. And I had that thought, oh my God, I hope that doesn't happen again. Oh my God, what if it, does, what if it happens again? And of course, when you focus on something over and over again, um, you get more of that thing. So it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I got to the point where I was, you know, I get booked for a job and then, you know, way before, maybe several days before, I'd be really scared that this thing was going to happen. I was going to have this panic attack. I then labeled myself as someone. I was just feeling anxious, but I called it something. I said I had panic attacks and I was afraid I was going to have a panic attack. All my mind could do was think about the panic attack and the fact that I was the person that had panic attacks. And um, of course, it just kept happening. And even though I'd go into a studio and I'd have a little panic attack at the beginning and then I'd get through it and then they'd love what I did, it would happen. And so I, it, I was, you know, my mind was focusing on it. It was bound to happen and it happened over and over again to the point where I thought, am I going to work? Is this going to get even worse? So I went to see, as a last resort, I went to see a hypnotherapist thinking, no one's going to help me. I'm just that person. I'm just that person that suffers from anxiety. That's the way it is. And my life's just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller because that's all I could think about. And I went to see the hypnotherapist who actually was a little strange, I have to say. But despite the, her strangeness, um, I had a few sessions with her and the I, I, I kicked that habit. And I was so gobsmacked at the end of it that that had happened because I thought that was my life. That's who I was, this anxious person. That I thought, wow, if, if someone could do that for me, what if I could do that for someone else? So I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm going to train to be a hypnotherapist. So that's what I did. Thinking, and it would be great to have some extra income around. You know, looking after my daughter and doing my acting work. So I trained to do hypnotherapy and I was seeing clients from home and then I discovered life coaching and then I discovered EFT, which if you don't know, is a very simple tapping technique. And I really love the combination of life coaching and EFT because it could be very playful. So the thing about hypnosis, if you don't know, is that it's all about um, following instructions. But, you know, with coaching, as you know, Caleb, it's about asking great questions. So it's about the client actually discovering for themselves what the answers are, isn't it? 
And um, so I really like the combination. So that's how come I then became a therapist. So still, you know, doing by this stage, doing role play work, seeing clients from home and um, yeah. And then when I was in sort of late 50s, my husband suddenly asked for a divorce and I thought, what am I going to do? I don't have any pension. I am stuffed. And so I needed another source of income. So then I introduced um, an online health and wellness business into my business. So that means now that I can help my clients outside and in. Yeah. But, you know, I guess like you, maybe, Caleb, maybe you never expected when you were younger to be to do, to be doing what you do. Maybe you did. Did you? Uh, how do I answer this one? I never really knew what I wanted to do. I just knew I liked athletics and I knew I've always felt called for something bigger. I've liked the analytical, um, but I've always been, I think since I've told you, you know, the, the cult upbringing and all that stuff, I've had always had a very interesting relationship with the spiritual and in many times in my life, the the battle between the esoteric, ethereal versus the practical, concrete, sciencey thing, those two things have been at odds in my head. Um, of course, the easier one to go solve is first the tactical one because it's the health. And so it led me down a path. I kind of was questioning, like, ah, do I want to do be a doctor, sports medicine, that kind of thing? My grandfather was a kinesthetist in France for his whole career, well, the majority of his career. Found like CrossFit, whatever. Then I was like, I want to own a gym. Okay, because I was like the fitness thing. But for where I am now, I it was ironically, my mother a couple of years ago, she's like, you were born to be like a reverend i was like oh okay because i taught uh, yeah which is the irony of everything but i feel like where i've come to and for the record this is a lot of very recent statements around like me openly speaking more about like bringing spirituality into a physical practice because of my own insecurities around it. Hence, the, the the journey of Naked Sunday has been a spiritual journey in and of itself. Uh, yes, the outside looks nicer. Sure, the physical part looks nicer. But it's the internal change, right? You probably hear my tagline, and look better naked inside and out. It's the inside part. How do you get that and that aligned? The body kind of takes care of itself. Um, I don't know if I've properly answered that question. I felt like I've floated around this for my entire life. The only thing I've ever been certain of in my life ever, only, only one thing is that I've wanted to be a father. And my wife and I are kind of at that point now where we were like very serious about starting our family in an interesting way. I feel like my, everything leading up to this point in my life is learning how to get those two things in line, being like a good physical role model, but also of sound mind, body, and spirit. So yeah, Yes and no, I think, to all those questions. Maybe yes, maybe no, I don't know. <laughs> well, I love that you, you know, you talked about the the, the physical, and uh, but then, you know, getting 
getting the, the inside and the out aligned. It's so, so important because, you know, when you get to 65, um, gravity's getting to you. So um, it's really important that you're you're happy with, 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 with who you are. And actually, I think that I can honestly say, and it's taken me a very long time, that I am happy in my own skin. And I think it, if you are an Adonis, which some people would say you are, Caleb, um, but you're not happy with who you are, what is the point? You know, because there's such a disparity, I think being happy with who you are is gold. And and a lot of people aren't. And, and it's so sad because well, I know it's sad because I spent a lot of my life not liking my body, even though actually other people like my body all right. But I, you know, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. And I look back at the photographs, as a lot of people do, and go, what was I thinking? You know, but um, it's really, really important because whilst we're on this earth, and I know some people watching think that's all there is, and that's fine. Um, it is just that physical, it's just a vessel, isn't it, to hold the inside in, um, the mind and the spirit. So. I feel, yeah. I think, you know, kind of there are a couple of things that came up there and I love where you went with it. I can also attest to. I think I told you a few years ago, I was like 40, almost 50 pounds heavier than I am now. Yeah. Kind of like threw the body thing out the window because I was like, I stopped caring. I'd been super lean. We'll call it more fit from like, a, I can have greater performance on, you know, lifts and this and that, whatever, fine. Truly hated myself. And the relationships I was able to maintain were not, they were very surface, hollow. And I didn't bring out my true self, the certain depth and the love the spirituality I, I couldn't talk about these things that i talk about now um namely because i didn't realize i wanted to be loved and valued for that and i was like would i be would i be alone again all that um but what you're talking about there at the end like yeah people think we're just this meat suit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like it's a meat suit and like it's going to be done sure in one sense and you know from a i guess from an agnostic standpoint I'll, I'll float it this way i think of legacy is is the spirit passing on and it doesn't mean like you have to have some grandiose you know i've left all these businesses around and generational money kind of stuff like i'm saying like who is the few people you impacted like that is even if you don't and more importantly if you don't get credit for it i think so many people are chasing the credit they want the monuments they want the fucking bridge named after them they want the Whatever the legacy is, the spiritual transference of what your life meant it, that you could carry act out those acts in this physical body because you needed the vehicle, you needed the vehicle to be able to do the things that moves the needle forward, and we don't know for whom we don't know what that one kind gesture to that you know your neighbor that one day in in their driveway whatever helping them with something meant for the thing they did afterwards maybe they went and they were able to be more present with their child and they had a better situation where instead of it could have been they went home and they they 
screamed at their kid and their kid diminished their sense of self-worth and you know turned into some what you never know never and i think know. i think if we look at let's call it heaven or hell they're both coexisting at the same time in that and it's what we're creating from our behaviors with this physical vessel and we yeah. don't know and it's both life heaven hell legacy are all interplaying at the same time all the time we're either living in our own hell or living in our own heaven depending on the way we decide to look at the things yeah. and what we decide to do with it which which brings me back to what you're talking about the levity the lightness in the darkness can you see the beauty in the darkness that's what i think was so yeah. profound about some of your statements earlier yeah and actually somebody in in um my family died quite recently i i went down to for a funeral recently and um and i think that we're so weird about death even though we do know that we aren't going to be on this planet forever and i you know i love the cultures who they it's it's part of their culture that they that they that they mourn in in a in a way that's um a celebration of or or they all mark it by wailing for days or whatever it is that they do i think that's a really healthy thing rather than not talking about it or um you know talking in in very hushed tones and 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 rather than just just talking and and being being with the with it which which is very confronting because it's just so final particularly if you don't have any belief about anything afterwards um so I don't know where I'm going with this Caleb but I just think that it's really important to to practice being with all of it. Mm. You ever see the movie? Uh, I want to say it's Coco. What's it's it called? Cartoon. Coco. I believe it's Coco. No. It's a. I want to say it's a Disney movie, and it's about this um, Hispanic, or maybe very specifically, like in the Mexican culture, was it the Day of the Dead or something oh, yeah. like that? Yeah. It's. There's a couple movies that came out from I think the Pixar or the Disney. The one is another one is um, I think it's called The Soul. I'm not sure, but anyway, the one I'm thinking about, Coco, is um, it's this whole journey. And as I watch them, like there's a there's a lot of celebration around things. It's about like you bring the they, you could see like the children were involved, and there's like this reverence for the past. There's a lot of talking about. They're sharing stories. There's, there's a uh, I'm bringing it up because of everything you talked about there. There's a difference in how it's not so much the classic, you know, don't be, don't cry because it, because uh, it's over. Be happy that it happened or something. It's not that I'm butchering the the quote, whatever. But it's the idea of like you're celebrating, you're celebrating what was, and I think what that leads to is the ability to see the lessons from that person's life and the gifts that they've given you. And those, those to me, I see as like the spiritual 
the spiritual thing that continues to be passed on that doesn't go away it's still there because so long as you keep it alive the the idea of what gift or lesson they've bestowed upon you they're always with you i thought that that movie you've never seen it no i i haven't seen it um but i think the the energy of grief i mean for, for me my experience of, of grief has been that you know that it comes in waves and um and it happens over years and years probably you know i'm sure i experience grief for certain people that have passed um till i'm no longer around um and it's such a huge energy that i think for cultures like um ours in the west if it's not um if it's not honored and not kind of acknowledged, then it's it's a massive energy to keep inside the body. You know, you think about a baby, the energy of a little newborn baby, and when it's hungry, when it wants changing, when it wants to, to be held, you know, all those things, it can make this mahoosive noise. It's a tiny little thing. Now we we get older, we get bigger, and and our our emotions are no smaller because we're a grown up. Um, and I think that to kind of hold emotion, whether it be grief or sadness, anger, to kind of push it all down, it's enormously bad for, 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 our, for our being, for our physical being, for our emotional being. Yeah. That's so interesting how you brought that up. We, we by repressing it, that little voice, builds and and like eventually it becomes this really loud cry out for help to be heard to be seen to be felt to be acknowledged so strange that the we think by us burying it it lets it go away which is completely because it's going to come out screaming what whether you like it to or not and it's and you don't know when and i think that's something you know what i value about coaching that in general is that like by having that people get to practice dealing with these things before it becomes a real problem i mean sometimes it becomes a real problem and you're playing cleanup but like if you're ahead of it you know how to navigate these things and it doesn't mess with you you brought up you know who, i don't know what was going on at the time maybe you're dealing with oh my god i'm going to become a mother and all the other things and like you have a thousand other pieces of stress going on in the back of your mind Maybe that's why you had a panic attack and like forgot your lines or whatever the thing was and went blank. Hmm. Maybe it wasn't being addressed, right? Like I think I think most people don't understand that the worst like what most people are afraid of is like looking like a fool when it matters most or not being able to be fully capable when it matters most. So by training these things, like going to you and and working through whatever it is that they're working through is just practicing knowing how to navigate that stuff so that you can handle all of it. Everything's good, but when, you know, showtime. Because we're not taught to, to do that at school. And and certainly my parents' generation, they got no idea. They got no idea how to do that. You know, my, my daughter's generation, that's a it's it's a different time. They they have a different understanding of things. They're much more emotionally literate um, and demonstrative. But actually, it, it it is to do, I think, with parenting, schooling. But actually, if we, if we 
if we haven't been told that it's okay to have our feelings, I mean, who wouldn't be born with them if it wasn't okay? That's my thought about it. Um, but if we haven't been told it's okay, then we really think it's not okay. And so we bury it, bury it. And that's when, you know, we start sabotaging stuff. And you talked about you being overweight. I, I had a period where I was bulimic and I didn't look, um, I was going to say normal. What is normal? But I didn't look, um, I looked fairly average because, uh, because that was the nature of how it was for me. But it, I, I, I used food because at the time, I, nothing, things weren't working around me and I wasn't able to express my feelings. And so I decided to use food as a coping mechanism. Then, you know, then it was drink and it was smoking and, you know, and, and having, you know, not a set, I mean, all sorts of things, you know, I did. And that's what happens, I think, is if we don't think it's okay to feel or to be who we are, then we'll find a way, whether it's, and it might look like it's a good way if it's a, if it's exercise and it's lots of exercise, but we're, oh my goodness, you're so fit, but you can be obsessive about exercise. I'm not saying you, but people oh, can. I can attest to it. it. Yeah, that's not a good thing either. It's coming, it's driven from the same thing, whether it's a shopping habit, a sex habit, you know, it's 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 coming from the same place, isn't it? And until we ad address the place, then um, it's it's going to be a problem. It's going to seep out somewhere. Where it's going to leak. Um, so it's about education. It's about, I think, uh, having some understanding that it really is a good thing. You know, why in schools aren't we taught about? money managing money about relationships because isn't life a series of relationships that's what i think it is you know uh, and are they uh, you know and i want to have the best relationships i can you know i want to have juicy relationships i want to have relationships that that matter you know yeah i can do a superficial conversation you know like i can talk to anybody as i'm sure you can but I want conversations where I actually really connect on a deep level. And I can only do that if I can connect to myself on a deep level. Oh. Oh. And that's where I think this was, as you were saying this, I'm like, this, I, I heard like people think of feelings as liabilities and they don't see them as tools. And what you just said there, like, I don't know if I, Connecting with somebody makes you feel something and we want to feel that love and that connection. But if you don't know how to use, you don't understand the tool, you'll never truly connect. I think that, that, that was, wow. And I, and I love that you brought that out. Most people will, it's, I think it's also particularly scary. And I love that you brought it out there. People think like, quote unquote, it's a healthy addiction or something like that it's easy to hide it, but I can, I'll speak from personal experience of my CrossFit background. It was like, I was chasing a score that I did not care about ultimately to impress people that didn't care anyway. And it would put me into a place that my joints were constantly hurting. And not only that, 
the high of going so hard in a workout was that I would collapse at the end, be gasping in air, and I wouldn't think of anything. I wouldn't feel anything. Sounds like dissociating from your feelings and not knowing how to deal with stuff. Hmm, I don't know where that's going to lead. So <laughs> I think that's so important what you just said there that the obvious one most people see alcoholics or yeah. drug addicts is like that's the oh you know that but there's the other side too that people bury it and it's, and it's sneaky easy to coast on by and yeah. not be called out you see it, entrepreneurism or business or whatever name your thing so that was i think that was so astute and i think the reason why i brought up the liability people is it could be a tool for strength you don't when I brought, when I said all that, like I would have to work hard to get through the pain of the joints and all the other things to just get back to feeling good enough to go do the workout thing that would dissociate me again, to put me back into the pain. So it was a <laughs> lot of so much extra work that yeah. if I was really real about the results I wanted, I wanted to feel good in my body and like what I saw in the mirror, let's call it look better naked to have a connection. Yeah. When you take away the self-loathing piece and the, the 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 lack of permission to connect to who you are, all of a sudden you take out ninety percent of the work that you were having to overcome just to get to square one. But you had to have some conscious awareness that you were doing that, didn't you? Because it, it doesn't start that way, does it? It starts with, oh, you know, uh, oh, I, I I don't feel great. I want to look great. I want to have a partner or I want to kind of be fit in or I want to whatever, look great in those clothes, whatever the thing is. It starts off with something that's like, you know, trying to fit in, trying to be part of, um, to belong in some way, um, thinking the thing will make you feel good. But it's only really when you bring that conscious awareness to it, which which there isn't any of that when you say like you're, you're dissociated and you're, you know, you kind of, you didn't say zone out, but that's what I do. I, I would, I'm once, I don't know if you have flakes, flake chocolate bars. No, I've never Brumby heard of chocolate. Very nice. Yeah, but I'm one. Yeah, but you don't want to eat 21 of them. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, am I proud of that? No, no, I'm not. But you know what? That's, I would just cram food in just to take away the emptiness but I wasn't conscious really of what I was doing I knew I felt absolutely terrible afterwards I knew I felt really ashamed afterwards but I didn't know what was driving it I didn't know that there were other ways of me dealing with the thing because I wasn't taught that but then over time I, I I learned some stuff and I talked to some people and I read some stuff and and now I know that and the thing about feelings as well is that, you know, people like the good feelings, the good feelings, you know, they like to feel happy. Oh, they like to feel peaceful. You know, they like to feel that all those things, but actually they don't like, they don't like the sadness or they don't like the shame or that, but we're all, we have all of those things. But the thing about the feeling, I think, is that it's like a flag. So when you get a feeling, whether it's whether it's a feeling that feels good or uh, it's a feeling that doesn't, it's really, I think, a flag. It's a flag that says, if it feel good, feels good, it'd be like, oh, that flag saying, oh, this feels good, do more of that. Or the flag saying, do you know what? You don't like this feeling? What is it you're needing? What's underneath the feeling? So 
you know, there's always a need underneath a feeling and there's always a way of meeting that need. And sometimes we look to other people to meet that need and they haven't got a clue and they don't wanna meet our need. But actually we can always find a way. So for me, I like to see feelings like flags. It's flagging up, yeah, hello, hello, what are you needing? Ask yourself, what am I, what am I needing right now? Oof. Well, actually, do you know what? I, I need some reassurance. Sure, right now I need a hug. You know, right now, actually I'm absolutely exhausted and I need to go to sleep. Or do you know what? I actually need some water. But you have to stop, don't you, Caleb? You have to stop the noise. You have to take time to kind of even become present to what that might be. Rather than getting caught up in the chatter of that incessant, boring loop that's going on in our heads that is only, it doesn't have any new information. It only has information that it's learned up till now. You want new information, you've got to look somewhere outside your head for that. Or you can access the part of you that, that remembers, oh, yes, I remember when I felt like this before. And actually, do you know what I needed? I needed, I needed someone to listen to me. And then, yeah. What? Wow, what a great share. And that what that brought up for me, the way you said like you had to have some awareness to understand that i only became aware of it when and then there was a small shift small shift there was a big shift in environment i had opened uh my first business i was a sister gym to the gym i was working with um my first mentor first business partner we opened a second gym together tyson come here he wants to be part of the conversation. I'm here to come to daddy. Daddy's going to be talk about talk about a flag going off. He he's got a feeling and he wants attention. Come here, bud. Come Tyson to daddy. wants an appearance. He wants an appearance. Whether it's a growl, a little crunch in the background. I love it. You're not going to lift him up, then. You're just going to. Yeah, me too. You no, think you've got an imaginary friend, Caleb? <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes there's plenty of people who think I got imaginary friends. So clever being able to wave. Well, he's got daddy's assistance to <laughs> wave his little paw. His paws look like little, uh, I always think it looks like a little rabbit's foot, lucky rabbit's yeah. foot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a little rabbit. Yeah. He's so cute. Um, he's cute. So, so what I was he's saying. Just, he's just upstage you, but never mind. He always <laughs> does. I was like, I was saying before we hopped on here, it was like, more people care about the dog stuff than anything oh, else. Okay. I can have <laughs> I put out some like heartfelt emotional thing, <laughs> crickets on social media. I put a video of the dog licking my wife's toes. Oh, you know, hundred likes or whatever the thing is. Like, oh my god, you're the cutest dog. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's all good. I'm cool with it. I realize, but around here, there's a commercial that goes puppies and babies not included. It's for like, some, <laughs> car, some car dealership. Oh. And, um, I have no idea if they're a good dealership or not, so I'm not trying to promote them or one other. But the point is, babies and dogs, they always went out because they're just, oh, so cute. Yeah. But to what you were saying, it was shifting the environment and feeling something different. So the place I started my career was a younger demographic. Albany is a little more transient of a, of, I always call it a little transient. It's a younger, 
there's a college, a couple of colleges in the, in the town and whatever it's, it's younger. And it, I don't feel like a lot of people, it's a stay. It's a stop, not a stay in their life. So when that's the case, it's, you're kind of passing through. There's a little, and we ran the place kind of like a, a frat. It was a party. Then we opened my, my first business I was part of, and it was in the town that I'm in now. And this is where it's a more, it's a bedroom community. It's families, people that are settled down, established in their life. And the desires and the wants and the needs were deeper. And it, there was a, a side of me that got to a side of me that was appreciated a little bit more by this culture that was up here. And it had to evolve more because I was still trying to pitch to athletes and I just kind of was in a loss in my own life. But it was knowing like, oh, I could be appreciated for this. This is different. So the, the reason why I'm bringing this out is I didn't know inherently what was wrong. I did know that I didn't feel great in myself. I had, I had physical pain. It was hurting. I was chasing, you know, acceptance from a girl. Um, but the shift in environment. So I'm saying this for other people like, hey, you might not know, Tyson, you're doing You might not know that you are so like exactly what the root of it is. And that's okay. I think a lot of people think the next decision I make has to be the end all be all. And I figure it out as opposed to how about you take a baby step, step out of this environment and then avail yourself the opportunity to look back in on the space that you were, you were at, even if it means just taking a step out and being quiet with yourself, go out and sit in nature, or go for a walk or just be quiet long enough to be still which i think most people are just afraid of because the answers show up inherently i see that's what coaching is coaching is they allow you to step outside of yourself and then look back in and be like oh that's what's going on seemed pretty obvious now that i can see it but when you're in it it's the classic uh you can't read the label from within the bottle kind of idea so yeah i think in our environment's enormously powerful isn't it and if we don't you know, if we don't like the color of our environment or, you know, something about the environment, then it's it's not going to serve us as well as us being in an environment that, that is conducive to us feeling good. So we can we can change our environment, like you say, simply by stepping out or by um, stepping into someone else's environment or. Um, yeah, just changing that conversation like you like you just talked about. Man, you got me thinking today. <laughs> really do. Let's jump into our second question. You'll like this one because acting, film, theater, all those things. Second question. Yeah. What is your desert island movie or show? So I've adjusted my classic one in the gym was always, what's your desert island movie? But I've adapted it to show because sometimes a series is like a thing. So you have one thing basically that you get to watch. Well, the, with the, it, the film that I absolutely love uh, is called Truly Madly. Uh, not truly, I did that was that was my favorite. Truly Madly Deeply, but it's called A Fault in Our Stars. It's actually a very very sad story, but it's a love story between two teenagers, both of which have cancer. But it's a really extraordinary um film it's beautiful beautiful what about that attracts you to it 
and like why and so much so that you'd be like this is the only movie i'm gonna watch for the rest of my life Oof. watching for the rest of my life you can you can adjust your your answer if you need to it's okay no, I don't know that I. I don't know. I don't know that I feel like what I could watch any movie for the rest of my life, and if it had to be every day. It doesn't have to be every day, but it's the only but, one. You, oh, only one you get to watch. Ew, what a relief! What a relief! It's the only <laughs> one you get. The only one you get to watch, though, for the rest of your life. Oh. Oh, now you've posed a question, haven't you, Caleb? It's a good one, isn't it? When it you really be, think about it, it is a good one because then it might be something. Um, more uplifting but I think what I like about it is is um connection I like connections I want to feel something when I watch a movie and actually I went to see Barbie this week and and I hadn't realized actually that that Barb the, the premise of Barbie is all about a woman being able to have what she wanted she could be who she wanted she could be a doctor she could be a nair hostess she could be anything she wanted she could have her own house she could have her own car she could do it all but that's that's not you know a, what i grew up thinking she was all about i didn't have a barbie i had a cindy but the thing about the film i mean it, it you know it's great and um I didn't feel connected to the characters. And that's really, really important for me that I feel something. I either wanna laugh, and I laugh at people like Ricky Gervais, I think he's very clever and um, very irreverent, and I like that. Um, so I wanna either laugh a lot for it to be silly, or I want something that's really gonna have me feel something. Otherwise, what's the point? It could be a show if that if you needed it to be a show. Oh no, I've got to come up with a show. Uh, Chicago. Chicago. So Chicago, you're going. That's your answer. Well, it, it, it's there's a film in Chicago. It's a film and a show. There is. Um, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. Catherine Zeta Jones and uh, Renee Zellweger. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Have you seen it? Probably not that long after it came out, but I. I don't remember it too. It's a it's a musical. Oh, kind of style you don't remember it. it, Caleb. I mean, I remember Catherine Zeta Jones, like you know. <laughs> um, I love that question because you know. So my my movie answer is Wedding Crashers. My Never seen if you just want, like, I feel like there's such a great like underlying story, but I laugh every single time I watch it. It's enough feeling to make you think about some stuff. I've had some interesting lessons through that stuff. So again, the levity kind of brings out stuff. But the show, the show was much easier for me. My favorite show, hands down, no questions asked, is Ted Lasso. It brings the comedy. Oh, Ted Lasso is so good. So good. So good. So good. I feel very deeply connected to it. And the reason why I'm bringing, I'm only even bringing it up right now, because you made me think about like, what do you want to be when you grow up? There's a lot. Of, so here's a fun one. One of my, the one of my best friends, she's, uh, she's the one who turned me onto the show. The one I was mentioning earlier, she goes, you need to watch this. You're a Ted. And I go, Oh, had, it took me a while. Like I'd, heard about it a couple times and she goes and I'm like, okay cool thank you for me feeding my ego it's about me now so now i need to, I need to watch the thing so <laughs> but i watch compliment isn't it caleb he's the best he's, he's so, a, good. He's so, so good. good he's so good 
my best friend actually she she told me about the show as well so yeah i think it's a there's a lot of like deeply spiritual aspects to that show that are going there's a lot of profound leadership things going on that i don't think a lot of people see with his humor and his lightness and his silliness amidst a lot of things and there's the practical how do you win a game but it's not about the game it's about yeah. the life and making people into better humans yeah they'll figure better humans happen to perform better there's just so much depth to that that's why i wanted to bring that out to you because of that what does it mean to be a coach it's guiding shepherding people to a better place so yeah merely because you had brought up that stuff earlier that's the reason i'm sharing that piece i yeah great so i mean good. That's, yeah, so good so good so good i might have to binge watch it i've rewatched that show probably six times all the way through i, mean, I, yeah. I think i might need to see it again as well actually so good so good <laughs> so let's let's focus now like where are you at now like who comes to you now like what what are your the reason why I'm asking it this way is when I think about the path, you know, people come to people. I want to solve this problem. We all know when you try to solve one problem, you have to address a lot of other issues along the way. You want to yeah. create a beautiful performance piece. Well, you need to learn how to interact with other characters. You need to learn how to deal with self-discipline. You need to know how to put your body. There's so many elements why I think coaching is such a beautiful just a beautiful practice for anybody to develop, no matter what. What is it typically? People come to you like, yeah, okay, I want to fix my habits. What is it? Who is that type of person? What do they seem to be struggling? What seems to be going on? Uh, I think confidence, really. Hmm. And people have always assumed that because I have that acting background that, I, that I've been a confident person, but that's absolutely not true. Um and I think really now, you know, I, I, I've been running a, a group program called Self-Confidence Formula, Six Steps to Be Unapologetically You. And that's really based on the fact that I was being the whole world and its mother and the dog um, and feeling okay in that world. But then in, in the rest of the time, which was a lot of the time, because you're not in work as much as you're out of work, um, feeling like I wasn't okay. So I really wanted to work with people who re who really just actually want to be themselves that want to get that they are more than okay as they are and actually that's the that's the key to happiness being being true to who we are and i know um we change over time we want different things and but the essence of who we are is is what really i think the world is crying out for the world's crying out for people to be themselves. And then when we can be ourselves, then that kind of gives other people permission to do the same thing. I think that takes, it takes courage to be ourselves. And I'm not talking about, you know, um, thinking you don't care what other people think. I mean, being okay with the fact that people have different opinions. Some people will like us, some people won't like us. And that's just the way it is. And being okay with that anyway, is not the same as um, not caring about other people. It's about caring about ourselves 
and just getting that everyone's different and it's really fine for them to think differently and to like different things and that that's no reflection on who we are got me on my feels now <laughs> well i feel like you've taken us to the end goal then so that leads me to my third and final question what's your deathbed meal that's one a oh my gosh my deathbed meal deathbed meal one a one b is who are you sharing it with I think I might have a chicken tikka masala. Chicken tikka masala. Oh, yeah, I think I might with with a extra thick taka dal, um, peshwari nam, some poppadoms, and some bindi baji. And you bring <laughs> out the whole like Indian repertoire right here. Like this is. <laughs> If I'm I love Indian food. Love Indian food. I'll have what I want. I'm here with you, girl. I love the details. And I am sharing it, though she might want much of it because I don't think she likes Indian that much, really. Share it with my daughter, mm. my Katie Lou, who I'm enormously proud of. So, so proud. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, she has been the best gift of my life. And I am so thankful to her. For because through having children, my personal experience of having a child is that I've learnt about myself. It's enormously confronting being a parent, and you get faced with yourself. And um, so, thanks to her, I've faced myself. And you know what? I'm all right when I look in the mirror. Do you know what I mean? You could not have answered that question any better because you took the next mini question, the words right out of my mouth, and it was going to be why. Didn't care so much about the food, though. I love Indian food. So like, hey, I'm, I'll, I'll pick up. I'll, I'll step in and have a little bite, too. We'll, we'll order <laughs> double. We'll order double, baby. Don't you touch the puppet on, so. Well, I won't. I won't. I'll, just get, I'll have a side order just for me, too. <laughs> Reason why I asked that question, though, and you answered it so beautifully is where you brought up the mirror and i've started sharing this more i officiated my baby brother's wedding last year and um, the speech i wrote most people don't know is a love letter to my wife and it's titled the window in the mirror mm. and it was inspired by a guided meditation i've written which is who is holding your hand on your deathbed and the reason why I say that is that I believe that the person holding your hand on your deathbed is essentially the reflection of what you have learned in this lifetime. They've shown you your purpose. I and the fact that you answered it the way you did it, the fact that I would love what I saw in the mirror looking in my daughter's eyes. Ooh, I mean, it brings chills to my heart right now. Like I'm just like tingling in my fingers. You got me all there. So, wow. What a, what a, profoundly beautiful response I, and I should have known like I was going to get something so incredible but like wow you 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 got me you got me oh I could see that you added some time in the performing arts because oh woo, woo. and you know what Caleb 
I want to be at my own funeral. I want to, this year, I'm going to make a video of me talking to people that I'm going to, I'm going to be at the last curtain call. Yeah. Call it. You're going to call your, your funeral the last curtain call? That's a pretty baller move. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julie, my love, I'm taking a look at the time and I told you I wanted to be respectful of your time. I told you to finish roughly in time. If somebody is listening right now and they're like, I am digging her energy. I need that optimism and that love and that positivity in my life. And I'm looking to make some meaningful change. I like to be a little light, but I also I'm ready to explore the depth as well. What's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Habitfixer.com. Habitfixer.com. Perfect. It's not making my life so easy. <laughs> <laughs> as we bring this show to an end then, my dear, what final words or advice, words of wisdom would you like to share with the audience? Be yourself. Just be yourself. Mic drop. <laughs> Julie, I love you. I'm so grateful that you've come into my life. I, I am just excited to see where this friendship goes. I feel like inspired to just take on the rest of my day just after everything you've shared with us today. And this has been uh, a real, a real gift uh, to spend some time with you today. So thank you so much for sharing your time, your energy, your wisdom, everybody habitfixer.com. They'll also be in the show notes. Don't worry. It'll be there. You can find it. <laughs> if you forgot, you couldn't type that in. Habit fixer seems pretty simple though. Um, if you need anything message and we'll all be here for you but thank you thank you julie thank you for being here thank you everybody for listening thank you for sharing your time and your energy and until next time i remind you to love everybody